Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ilsoid Vazer podcast. I'm Kelsey Litchfield with the Illinois Soybean Association. Coming up on today's episode, we will recap the 2023 growing season with none other than Illinois Soybean Association outreach agronomist and certified crop advisor, Stephanie Porter. It was quite a challenging year from the drought to the derecho at the end of June. Weather varied across the state. Many regions of Illinois continued to be dry, while other regions started to get a lot of rain. It was one extreme to another that introduced a lot of problems for this year's farmers that you wouldn't see in maybe a so-called average year. Lots of farmers seeing root rot, insect, potassium deficiency, residuals not activating due to the lack of rain. And oh yeah, remember that smoke and haze from Canada? Yeah, forgot about that one too. Stephanie and I will recap it all and more next on the Ilso Advisor podcast. Let's get started. Stephanie, when I was looking at this presentation earlier, I just started writing down everything. I'm like, first of all, this was a lot. And now just reflecting back onto the season, I'm like, (laughs) whoa, a lot happened. And I guess you kind of forget about things, you know, that happened earlier in the season, mid-season to late season. So my first question before we dig into this, does... 2023 remind you of any past year or are we in uncharted territory like have you never experienced a season such as this one i would say the closest at one point in time not the entire season was whenever it was compared to i think it was 2012 but i i think other than that it was it was uh we just uh it's different than anything i can never remember I think every year's on its own, standing on its own. You know, no one yeah. year's really the same thanks to multiple factors and thanks to Mother Nature. So let's go ahead and start with the May early season. Um, let's start there. Start in the May. What did you observe? I see everything from frost injury to water in the south to no rains up north. It varied all over the place. Yeah, I think there were spots uh, this season early on. I think the first thing that really happened was we had some that continued to plant early beans and we had a frost, um, a later frost. And by May 9th, we were seeing some frost injury in central Illinois of those early April planted, maybe even March, late March planted soybeans. And so that was a question that we had, you know, how would they do? And um, at least in my neck of the woods, we did have a lot of issues, uh, perhaps with a lot of some water at the beginning of the season. And then we had some crusting. Um, But by the time we got to the end, towards the end of May, uh, that's when we really started to say, wait a second here, it's not rained in a while. And I guess my first indication when I was traveling the state, I was looking at a field near Pekin and they had irrigation running already. And so that was just kind of my red flag and that this is, this is getting a little bit dry at this point in time. Um, and then some other, I guess, weirder things that ha- happened this season, and I had seen it previously, 
was the silver leaf corn in central Illinois. And so uh, this happens when we had a, so basically we had really low humidity and kind of, and then we had a cool spell at night and it made the leaves turn a silvery color, um, which kind of could alarm people driving past them. And so we talked a little bit about that. And um, the South was struggling with army worms um, at the end of May as well in some wheat fields. And so those are just some various things that happened. Um, but again, I think overall it was a, a cool season. And so one of the examples I shared was Connor Sybil had uh, shared via Twitter um, about his research and where he was seeing responses to P and K um, just because of that cooler season with, with corn. Well, so going back to the early planted soybeans, I want to halt there for just a second, because when we talked to our soy envoys um, earlier this fall, when we did a harvest update and some reports just talking to farmers, um, early planted soybeans in their area, given it differs from region to region, didn't fare so well as they did in past years. And I mean, you look at the frost injury, that's always a concern when planting early but what do you say to farmers that are still hesitant about this strategy of planting earlier? Um, I don't think so. I think that um, overall, when I visited some fields, as long as the soybeans hadn't emerged yet, some of them had just their necks out. And overall, those seemed to be fine. Um, the other thing that we talked about, and I talked about this with some farmers, is normally we recommend planting uh, two inches deep or so with with soybeans. And there's some farmers experimenting with actually planting deeper. And we saw this um, perhaps on some of the plantings where you don't, maybe you're not sure you're planting that deep, um, but you do accidentally. But those soybeans actually fared a little bit better just because they were slower to emerge and um, that, that helped them. So maybe uh, going forward, there'll be some different manage management strategies to help um, because sometimes we just don't know what Mother Nature is going to throw at us. Going now into, you know, May, later May, early parts of June, we're seeing dry and then the dreaded d word started talking about drought so talk through us a little bit about that and then we'll get into later june when we did start to see some rain so this is uh, i guess the next thing that happened is the crops were really growing and um you know not just crops but cover crops and they were taking a lot of the moisture out of the soil that had had been there um, um one good thing that i just talked about or we heard at a field day recently was the reminder that, you know, this helped a lot of the roots get pretty deep in the ground, especially with corn. And so it helped them um, not just to have good stability, but be able to uh, reach moisture at greater depths. So that, that did help um, the plants as well going forward. Um, but yeah, we went a while without rain in a lot of different places at one point starting in June, I think that's when we really started to worry about some of those residual herbicides working. Um, and we had some extension specialists saying, go ahead and, and spray those. Um, you know, their hope was it, it would still rain. 
Um, so overall, we did see not any major issues with uh, cutworms. That's one of the first pests we think about, especially in corn, but also in beans. Um, but uh, Southern Illinois did have some of those the first of June. Um, we um, worry about rootworms hatching and um, overall not too bad uh, with rootworms this year in corn. But that northwest area of Illinois is definitely going to be a watch out area um, still. And, you know, of course, the further north we go, um, but always watching out for those. And then I think there was just some areas that still had had, um, for example, uh, in western Illinois areas where they hadn't had rain since planting um, at um, by June 4th. And so um, it started to get a little bit hot as well. Uh, one of our soy envoys, Karen Corgan, had wrote an article about, you know, dealing with post-herbicide applications in hot and dry weather to help us get through it. And then by the mid-June, uh, Abigail Peterson, our director of our agronomy team, had start, started to find those Japanese beetles uh, arriving into fields. Between mid-June uh, we started to actually have, you know, start to break records of how dry it was. And it was quite a bit drier in your neck of the woods as well. Mm -hmm. And then seeing that drought map each week, I was waiting each Thursday, I believe that drought map gets released to seeing how much worse can it get. And, you know, conversations talking about 2012 and, you know, those years where people could remember it being this dry. Personally, on our farm, our soybeans were planted mid-May, and they didn't see a lick of rain until the end of June. Um, they still emerged. It was a no-till field, so there's still quite a bit of moisture that allowed those soybeans to pop up. And, you know, there there was then even more talks of what do we do with fungicide, insects, things like that, that started to become top of mind and a concern for many farmers um, across the area. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about that more going forward, but, um, I know there was a little bit of rain that came through, uh, Illinois on June 12th, I believe. And it was more South. So it, we were, I'm in that Taylorville area, Nokomis area. And it was, we were about on the line and, um, most people, they did get a little bit more down south, but it wasn't much at all um, to speak of and didn't really help out much, even though mm -hmm. um, we did have something, you know, blow up a storm go through. Anything else that you're seeing while out on your field visits? Yeah, I think the concern um, for our soybean cyst nematode was there. Um, it can be worse in drought seasons. So we had um, by June 14th, uh, you you can start seeing soybean cysts, nematodes, which are the females, about 45 days after planting. So that was the time to start looking for them. Um, the other thing that uh, started to show up was root injury, uh, especially in that Champaign area. It was just so dry. Um, and they were seeing rootworm injury. Um, and then adults started to emerge and that was about the same uh, so mid-june there and then soy envoy chris ehler um, as well as dr hager started to report 
herbicide carryover in soybeans. And what had happened is the the year previously in East Central Illinois was very dry. And so they were seeing, you know, without having precipitation, um, they were seeing the effects of herbicides coming back and, and causing some some symptomology um, overall. And so that was um, happening as well. I think uh, the one kind of alarming thing that happened, and we hadn't seen soybean aphids in a long time, but in, in northern Illinois, uh, we're starting to get towards the end of June, uh, soybean aphids started to show up. And we really haven't heard much about those for quite a while. Um, I, I saw reports of 10 to 15 years by some of um, agronomists on on Twitter or the X. And so, you know, it, it, it over overwinters in buckthorn. And so we, we uh, scout for a reason. And this year, scouting would have paid off. And they did spray some of those fields if they were over threshold for soy, soybean fields, I should say, for soybean aphids. Um, but by, by June 22nd, I mean, most of the state was just completely dry. Uh, one of our soy envoys, Kelly Robertson, had sent a picture that was very cool, where so, uh, corn in southern Illinois was hanging on because of the, the dew that is kind of trickles down with the great engineering of the corn leaves. And you could actually see there was still some moisture down near the roots, but they were just hanging on by a thread. And then uh, I guess also in southern Illinois, um, as we got to the end of June, um, Leo Roca, who is a soybean, um, Illinois Soybean Association, ISA soy envoy, uh, he had also reported the first root knot nematode, which is a problem in, in several counties down in southern Illinois. Stephanie, what would you say, given this point, end of June, dryness everywhere, uh, what what was you what were you telling farmers? Like it's hard to plan for something, you know, such as this. What what was your message to them during this time? So I think this is, as we approached the, the end of June, it, we were, we, I say we, <laughs> farmers were starting to go out, go into freak out mode. Um, we were approaching critical times, especially with corn um, for pollination. And we knew that we needed to get some rain um, at that period of time. And so, um, the other thing, and I think you've mentioned this, but the other thing that was on farmers' minds was, you know, should I even spray a fungicide mm-hmm. slash insecticide, but usually fungicide for corn because they, it was so dry and we just weren't seeing any signs of diseases when we scouted. So I think those were the, the two main things. And I think the third thing would be um, for sure, the concern about herbicides not working, um, still no, no rain to help with those, some of the activity of the residuals. And so um, I think those were all on the minds. I, I saw some pictures of a lot of weeds in fields at this time where, you know, farmers were concerned that they weren't working. Another key thing that you were seeing was the potassium deficiency, which we saw in our own fields as well. 
Um, we were talking about spider mites and Dr. Nick Sider was giving everyone the recommendation, don't mow your road banks. But talk through that. I know we don't want to keep dragging this on and on and on, but there's just so much that was popping up. And I think you said it perfectly, Stephanie. When we have dryness, we start to see things that we wouldn't see in the normal years. Yeah, and we'll switch over. I guess I didn't touch on wheat. Um, I don't want to forget about that crop, but uh, the South saw that some of the highest wheat yields, really good wheat yields. Um, but at this time, um, we had wheat across the whole state, and um, one of our board members, David Wessel, was reporting that he, this is one of the earliest wheat harvests that he had ever had in West Central Illinois, um, and I think it's around June 26th. And the reasoning being just because of the drought, it had caused um, wheat to um, turn really quickly there. And so that was going on. And then, of course, some of the things that the hot topics at the the field day, which you already mentioned, were, of course, uh, the drought, the uh, potassium deficiency that everyone was seeing. Um, the message there was it wasn't necessarily that the potassium wasn't in the soil. It was just because we didn't have uh, the moisture in the soil for the potassium being potassium to be uptaken by the plant. And so that was something that I was getting a lot of questions on. And then the other thing was spider mites were on everyone's mind. Um, there were some outbreaks um, throughout the season at various times, but at this time in Western Illinois, as, as well as some places in Southern Illinois. And so people were scouting for spider mites. Um, and I think another message with spider mites is we were trying to let people know that it's it's not necessarily insects insects so you don't use insecticides you definitely have to make sure you're using something that will control spider mites which are arachnids and so um the other hot topic at this time was the canada fires yeah and the, 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 that which was I, a whole topic in itself i think we've kind of forgot about <laughs> up until this time because <laughs> so much happened this year yeah, and so um, we are going to have uh, Dr. Seth Nave talk more on this topic when he comes to our Better Bean series um, in Northern Illinois. Or, um, so check that out. But uh, yeah, there was just a lot going on um, overall. And we started to see some insect feeding. And again, trying to figure out, should I apply fungicides? But just overall, farmers reporting a lot of stress crops, including on our own farm. Um, and I, I'll never forget, like, I, 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 I guess it was bad in, in 12 and um, other years. But uh, we were starting to get on the edge where uh, we were really getting worried again towards the, the end of June. Um, but we also had, uh, since wheat harvest had just taken place, double crop was starting to be planted towards the end of June as well in Southern Illinois. Stephanie, one quick question I want to ask your perspective on. You know, we compare um, years like we've brought up 2012 and, you know, there is some worry and people have a right to be worried, but also know that technology has come so far since 2012 um, anything yeah. you want to speak to that? No, I think that I would attribute to breeders and product 
managers and those different people that are out there year in and year out evaluating new hybrids and new soybean varieties are doing their job. And I think we saw that. And um, in my past, I know they specifically would try to stress, for example, corn um, hybrids on purpose or put them in stressier locations just to see how they perform. And so we want to make sure we want to get high yield, but we also want to be able to overcome the stress. And I I definitely think that we're there. Um, Some, I just uh, was with a a lot of farmers over the weekend talking in my own area, but we still have a lot of farmers using what I would term as older hybrids um, as well. So I just think that they're good hybrids. Um, We don't necessarily use the newest hybrids every year. Um, Many companies um, still have some that have been hanging around um, for a while, and there's a reason for that, um, because they can overall perform. Well, let's quit talking about drought. Our first field talk, uh, field day, happened down near Champaign. Um, Was a great day. Um, Learned a lot. Like I said, farmers had a lot of questions about the drought that's going on. And as we were starting to pick up, the clouds opened up and um, a derecho came through, actually, which um, we did not ask for. I mean, we asked for rain, but we didn't we didn't <laughs> want the winds associated with it. I remember on my drive home that day, just seeing how many cornfields were laying flat. I just thought we went just from one extreme to the other um, in some yeah. of these fields. And you were traveling a different direction to me than mm-hmm. me. So that's a different take on it. You were going northwest. Yeah. And I was going southwest. So I I actually, on the other end of the spectrum, I didn't see that m- many down. So, so I was kind of surprised that there wasn't more corn blown over on my way home. Um, because we must have been in one of those red spots. Uh, I have a map here of when gust speeds and red is 65 miles per hour. And so we uh, were in the shed when that happened. So, of course, the whole, I mean, those wind gusts were just very spotty. And so where you hit those spots, that's where you you saw the, the corn mm-hmm. down. But um, overall, I was uh, a little concerned. And then we also had, I'm in Tornado Alley in my hometown, and we had had another tornado almost in the same spot that they had previously this year. Um, So that had happened. I got home. I didn't see anything major until I got home, and I was a little concerned. I'm not going to lie about my home. Um, But we didn't have power for quite a while, uh, at least three days. Actually, it came back on, and then it we had another storm after that, um, and we the power went off again. Um, so, I think I remember that as well. So we yeah. got we had the storm blow through, and it it didn't get to everywhere it needed to be, but it got into places where um, it needed it definitely, and that was just a start. It didn't cure the drought overnight, and. Um, it takes a while to build up that moisture back up in the soil, but it gave people hope again, I would say, to think, okay, we got some rain. Um, and throughout July, um, we got it in spurts. Um, I would say we definitely got some timely rains in July um, here in West Central Illinois, but not everywhere w- was as lucky, especially in other parts of Western Illinois that didn't see 
continued not to see any rains. So it was just very regional, very spotty. Um, take us a bit through that end part of June into July and what your observations were. Yeah, I think you covered it very nicely. The only thing I would add is there were some areas um, that got really heavy amounts of rain. So they had gone from being so dry and plants were so stressed. And then it was almost like all of a sudden all this rain came. So it was another shock to the plants. And so um, it was actually um, in some areas of beans, I think we saw where they saw two to three inches or more of rain all at once. Um, we saw perhaps a lack of oxygen for them um, and just just started to see some yellow spots too. But um, I think you nailed it when you said this was, it was not what we wanted with the wind, but it definitely was what we needed because corn was tasseling. Um, the other thing that happened this year that a lot of people asked about was the corn was shorter this year overall um, due to the, the drought. And um, a lot of farmers were commenting on that. Um, the other thing that I just read not too long ago, Sean Castile, uh, who is a soybean extension specialist from Purdue, who will be joining us for a better bean series in Bloomington. Um, he had, I read an article of his, um, and he had mentioned that how important it is for soybeans to have closed rows um, by the 1st of July. And that's something we did not have. And so that's just another um, red flag there that um, we need that, that closure of bean rows. Um, and it's going to make a difference if they're 15 inch or 30 inch, but to help, you know, not only uh, keep weeds out, but conserve moisture and, uh, and so on. And we didn't have that either. So that was another um, concern, I would say at the time. But in central Illinois, where or Western Illinois, uh, they were able to plant early April this year. And so we started to see our first fungicide helicopters, um, or I did, which was very early, um, really early planted corn um, in central Illinois, the first of June. Um, and, and so on. And then um, the other phenomenon that uh, happened that Conley um, from Wisconsin had commented on was that we had rain all of a sudden and so beans started to grow again. And some of them um, had gone back into a R1 growth stage when at first they were at R3. R3 is the important growth stage because that's the one where we usually spray fungicides or insecticides on. And the R3 would be when we're just starting to get that smaller pod on the first four nodes on the top. And so whenever that plant started to shoot out some more growth on the top, then that kind of took it out of the growth stage um, and took it back to R1 because we didn't have the, the small pod at the top. And so um, forming. And so a lot of people were asking about that because then they held off on spraying their fungicide and insecticide applications if needed. Um, but I think at this time, Northern Illinois had, of course, planted a lot later and they were just experienced that what I call the rap, well, everybody calls the rapid growth phase of, of 
of corn. And sometimes, and it's a really cool phenomenon, I've seen it in years past. Um, so it's almost like they got this burst of energy and their leaves are growing so fast that they're kind of st- they kind of stick a little bit. Um, and when they come out, they, they have raggedy edges. And so they, we were seeing that too. Um, Kelly Robertson, who's soy envoy in the South, um, you know, said, yeah, we got some moisture. I don't think the South didn't get as much as other areas in some. And so he was demonstrating to us that the moisture was only down six to eight inches, um, the 1st of July still. So they were still worried about drought in the South and some areas as well. Um, keep that in mind. And then I think around this time, um, when I was scouting our own farm, I was starting to see a lot of water hemp escapes, not just in beans, but also in corn. And again, that was just due to um, the water hemp just getting away from us because we didn't have those residuals working because of drought. Even though I guess, and this is not to be a Debbie Downer, but even though we had gotten rain in some areas, uh, Matt Reardon, um, who helps us write about the weather uh, and in our blogs had said, you know, despite that half of Illinois was still in drought by July 11th. When you were talking about Conley and the soybeans back to R1 after rain, it reminded me of Kelly's article that he wrote that soybean height is not an indicator of growth stage. And I thought that was a very nice video that he had put together. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, that's a good reminder. I forgot about that. So um, shameless plug, illsoyadvisor.com. I mean, our soy envoys that Stephanie's been referred to, they're out in the fields just like Stephanie is throughout the growing season and sharing their observations on our blog. We are not even close to being halfway through 2023, so we thought we'd break this episode up into two parts. Coming up on the second half, Stephanie will talk about what she has coined root rot mania after the rains that came through in late June. She'll talk about her observations in the field, including the big topic of red crown rot and the misdiagnosing that happened, and her thoughts on that, plus seeing some foliar diseases and other insect and disease pressure that occurred. We'll wrap up the episode with Stephanie answering what her biggest challenge was in 2023 and her biggest recommendations for 2024. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'm Kelsey Litchfield for Ill Soy Advisor.